so in my prayer time, the Lord led me to Genesis chapter 26, verses 17 to 25. Tonight I'm going to focus specifically on verses 17 to 19, where I get the title of my message, which is simply, Dig. It's taken from, like I said, Genesis 26, and I will explain that. You'll get a better understanding that as we go. I'm going to read and then I'm going to pray. The first two verses that I want to look at are 17 and 18, which says, So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He dug again the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in with earth after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given to each of them. I'm not going to look at all of that tonight. might do a two-part, three-part, depends how the Holy Spirit leads. But tonight I want to focus on verse 17 and 18 specifically. Before I get to the details of the message, we've already read it, so I'm not going to read it again, but I'll look at it as we go. The first thing that we need to understand about this passage is that the Holy Spirit is making a spiritual analogy in these verses. He's, he's creating a spiritual parallel to help us better understand what he's trying to say. He's creating a parallel between physical wells that he's speaking of and spiritual wells that we have to guard and watch over in our lives. In this passage of Scripture, the Holy Spirit is speaking to his people and he is calling them to return to a particular place. And when they get there, he's calling them to dig, not physical wells, but spiritual wells. And I believe with all of my heart, it's what the Holy Spirit and God is calling us to do as his people as well. Because God, as you know, always calls us, or is always calling us to return to the foundations of our faith. He's always calling us to come a little bit closer. He's always calling us to draw a little nearer. He is always calling His people back to their first works and their first love. He seems to speak to us on a a regular basis and all throughout the Word of God to come back to our, or to return, I would use that word, to our deepest devotions, to those places of prayer and those places of repentance that we have the tendency to wander away from, those areas in our life that have the tendency to grow dry, like I talked about at the very beginning of my message. You see, God is always calling us to the Gerar Valley, which means this. When the the word here, Gerar Valley, it means a place of rumination, and I know that that's a big word too, but it means a place of constant meditation. You see, the reality is God and the Holy Spirit is always calling us back to those places where the things of God are constantly being digested and constantly stirring and constantly moving and constantly churning churning in our lives. And the reality is, if we don't return to those places, we will grow dry. If we don't find the Gerar Valley for each and every one of our lives, that place of constant meditation, I promise you your spirit will go dry. I promise you your worship and your prayer life and all of those things, they will grow dry. And before you know it, you're wondering, how in the world did I get here? Why in the world do I feel so dry? Why in the world is the the spirit and the power of God not flowing through my my life? It's simply because we have grown dry. And it's what I want to look at this evening. If you recall, in Revelations 2, 
God writes to the the church in Ephesus, and after bragging on them for a verse or two, he says to them, yet I hold this against you. He says you have left your first love. He says to them that you have left the foundations of your faith. You have left your first works. And then he calls them to return and he calls them to repent. And then he says, I want you to do the things you did at first. If you read and put all of these together, what the Holy Spirit is calling them to do is to return to the wells which were once dug in their lives. And he tells them to dig them again, just like Isaac did. You see, Isaac understood the importance of what I'm going to speak about returning. He understood the importance of spiritual digging. He understood the importance of constant meditation in his life. He understood the importance of putting himself in that place where the things of God were constantly stirring in his life. Because he understood, if I remove myself from those places too long, I'm going to dry up and die. And the reality is there's a lot of individuals in the house of God that have separated themselves from their own Gerar Valley and their spirits have gone gone dry and their spirits have grown dry. And it's why the Holy Spirit calls us back to this place and He calls us to dig again the wells that were once dug. You see, the reality is there's some people that used to have a song. There's some individuals that used to have a dance. There's some individuals that used to know how to worship and used to know how to praise. They used to have a testimony, but something happened in their life and their wells got filled in. And they're no longer overflowing and springing up from inside their soul. And it's those people that God is saying, you need to go back to those places that once were flowing and dig again so they flow again in your life. You see, the sad reality is a lot of us, when we get to those places, we expect God to do everything for us. We find ourselves in these dry, barren places, and we expect God to do the digging for us. When, when the Holy Spirit and the Word teaches us that there's sometimes there's a little work that we have to do. And this is what I want to teach this evening. I'm bringing this Word because we have to learn to go to the places of constant refreshing and set our tents there, church. This is what Isaac did. Read it. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley where he set up their tents and he settled down there. You see, what God wants us to do is to constantly be in His presence. He wants us to constantly be in prayer. He says, pray at all times, pray without ceasing. He wants us to constantly be in that place where the things of God are moving and churning in our lives. He wants us to settle there. He wants us to abide there. He wants us to move in there and pack our bags there. But the sad reality is there's a lot of individuals in the house of God only go to this valley on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. They don't abide in the presence of God. They don't dwell in the presence of God. They don't unpack their bags and their tents and and, and create their life in the presence of God. They wait till Sunday and then they come and worship. They wait till Wednesday, not talking about you, and and they come and listen to the Word of God and they wonder why they're dry. It's because they're in and out of the Girar Valley because they wander away from the place that God tells them to settle and pitch their tents. You see, God doesn't want us to pitch our tents on Sunday morning only. 
He wants us to pitch our tents every, every day of the, the week. He doesn't want us to only pray and praise on Sunday. He wants us to pray and praise Sunday through Saturday, church. He wants us to constantly be in His presence so that the Spirit of God and the power of God can flow in our lives. Listen to me, church. It is never God's fault that His power is not flowing. Never. It's never God's fault that His miraculous power isn't flowing through our lives. It's not God's fault that we don't have a song. It's not God's fault that we don't have a dance. It's not God's fault that we don't have a clap. It's our fault, church. We have allowed something to dry out our spiritual wells. And when God recognizes it, what does He tell His people to do? I want you to go back to Gerar Valley and I want you to dig again the wells that were once dug. I want you to find that praise again. I want you to find that song again. I want you to find that prayer life again, that devotion again, that worship again, that love again. I want you to do the things you did at first, like he told the church in Ephesus. This is what we have to understand. I'm bringing you this word tonight because I believe there's a restoration that needs to take place in the house of God, a restoration that needs to take place among people or God's people I believe there's a returning that needs to take place. Returning to those places, like I said, of repentance. A returning to those places of prayer and worship that we seem to have wandered away from, church. And unless we do that, the power of God won't flow. We'll have great productions in every church across the nation, but we won't have the power of God. You see, anybody can get up and put on a production. Anybody can get up and put on a show. But not everybody can operate under the power of the Holy Spirit and let the power of heaven flow in people's lives. The only way that happens is if you have settled in the presence of God. If you have placed yourself in that place where the things of God are constantly churning. When you get up in the morning, they're churning. When, you, when you're driving along the road, the song is churning and the prayer is churning. When you get to the workplace, the Word of God is still churning and the, and, and the things of God are still going on in your life 24-7. I'm not saying you've got to speak in tongues 24 hours a day. I'm just saying you've got to position yourself in the presence of the Most High God. And we have to do it on a constant basis. Listen, the Word of God says in Genesis 16 or 26, 18, Isaac dug again, or Isaac dug once again the wells of his father. Please understand what's being said here. Isaac, when he went back to this land, Isaac, when he went back to this valley, he didn't use the, the wells that the Philistines had dug. Please understand, the Philistines, according to what we read, had taken over the land because Abraham died. They possessed the land and they filled in the wells. And when Isaac came back to the Gerar Valley to dig again the wells, he didn't come and drink from the Philistines' wells. I want you to understand that he didn't take a shovel to the Philistines' wells and dig them. He never set a bucket and he never took a sip from the Philistines' well. He dug once again, according to the Word of God, his father's wells. You see, what I want you to understand here is that he didn't drink from wicked wells. He didn't drink from the wells of this world because he knew that there was only well that could satisfy the thirsty. He knew that there was only well that had the power to fill the hungry with all good things and that it was the well of Jehovah God. 
I want you to remember these wells are spiritual parallels to spiritual things. They're spiritual wells that we can drink from, church. And Isaac was not about to let him or his household drink from wicked wells. So he took out his spiritual shovel and he dug once again the wells that his father had dug before him. This is what you and I have to understand. It's what the Holy Spirit is speaking here. He dug again the wells of his father, the wells of life and truth, which the Philistines had filled in according to the word of God with dirt just after Abraham died. As soon as Abraham died, they went and filled in those wells. Because how many of you know, as long as the water is stirring, as long as the water is churning, there's power in that water. You let water sit still for too long and then it becomes stagnant and it becomes stale. As long as Abraham was drinking from it, the enemy couldn't fill it. As long as Abraham was drawing from it, the enemy couldn't fill it. Please understand what I'm saying, but as soon as he died, what did the devil do? The devil stepped in, the enemy stepped in, the Philistines stepped in, and they filled those wells of living water with the filth and the, and the, and the junk of this world. Filled it in. This is what the the Holy Spirit is teaching. How many of you know we have an enemy that will do all that he can to fill in our wells, church? He'll do all that he can to keep the wells of our spiritual forefathers from flowing in our lives. He'll do all that he can to cover up the wells of living water with carnality and corruption and, and the filthy things of this world. It's what he does. He'll try to replace the ancient ways that the Bible talks about with new ways. He'll try to cover up the old truths with new truths. He'll call, he'll call please understand this, he'll call good evil. And he'll call evil good. He'll call a lie the truth. And he will call the truth the lie. He will cover up everything that the Holy Spirit and those that have gone before us have laid and dug. He'll cover it all up. When someone walks away from those wells, church, he'll do all that he can to fill our wells with the filth of this earth. So that we cannot come by and drink. That's what we have to understand. So not only will the devil bring trouble into our lives, like I spoke about a couple weeks ago, not only will he do the best that he can to cause us to grow weary and cause us to grow weak and cause us to throw in the towel and quit, he will also do all that he can to keep the wells of living water from flowing in and out of our lives. You see, you can't just flow one way. to, to really be powerful, you've got to allow the things of God to flow in and you've got to allow the things of God to flow out. That's what keeps you from growing stagnant. You can think you're the most spiritual person in the world because you come to church five days out of the week and you read the Bible every single day and you can quote Scripture from the front to the back all by yourself in a dark room. But unless it's flowing out somewhere, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. It's not making a difference. It's not having an impact, and it doesn't scare the devil. It might keep him away from you, absolutely. I'm not saying don't do all those things, but what I'm telling you, if you want to see the power of God truly flow, let it flow. The word that you read, let it flow out of your life. The prayers that you pray, let them flow out of your life. The the experiences and, and, and the time that you spend in the presence of God, allowing those things to turn in your spirit, let them flow out. And when they do, the power flows. Listen, if you make yourself available to God and let Him flow, you'd be amazed at what He can accomplish in your life. 
You'd be amazed at the impact that you can have on other people's lives. But listen, he'll do all that he can to dry us out and stop us up with the things of this world, with the things of of filth. When you talk about dirt here, just like the wells, understand this. When he talks about the wells and the waters, there is a spiritual representation, which is the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the things of God. When he talks about the dirt, he's talking about flesh. He's talking about evil. He's talking about the wicked things of this world. He's talking about when, 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 when we talk about the wells and we talk about the water, we're talking eternal things, things that last forever, things that go beyond our last breath. But when he talks about the dirt of the earth, he's talking about temporal things. He's talking about things that I can buy with a dollar. He's talking about things that I can negotiate or barter or trade someone concerning. He's talking about some, something that I can pick up at the dollar store, pick up at a, at a car lot. You understand what I'm saying? Or at a jewelry store. He's talking about temporal things. And this is what the devil will come in. He'll try to fill your life with temporary things hoping that it will satisfy you, and we do the same thing. We'll fill our life with temporal things, thinking it'll satisfy. But it doesn't, church. He tries to fill our hearts and our homes and and our marriages and our minds and all of those areas of, of our personal lives with the dirt of this earth, with the filth of the flesh. And it's exactly why we cannot walk away from the wells of refreshing church. It's why we can't walk away from these wells of constant meditation. We can't walk away from the wells of prayer. And we can't walk away from the wells of worship. Because as soon as we do, the devil will fill them in, like I said, with the things of this world. Understand, when you and I walk away from the house of God, I'm not saying as soon as you walk out here tonight. When I I say when you walk away from the house of God, it becomes not a priority. It's something that you walk away from. You sleep in on Sunday. You get an extra snooze. You, you go to the lake. You go to the golf course. Not, I'm not talking about not having vacations or any personal time. I'm talking about making a habit. I'm talking about walking away from the importance of the house of God. So when we wander from the Word, when we wander from the house of God, when we wander from those places of prayer, when we wander from the, the wells of salvation, please understand that's when the devil comes in. And fills it with flesh. You see, the reality is when you stop coming to the house of God, that time will be filled with something else. When you stop praying in the presence of the Lord, that time and that intimacy will be filled with something else. When you don't open up the Word of God and and, and you, you walk away from the Word of God and the promises of God, please understand that communication and, and that revelation will be filled in with something else. It'll be filled in with false philosophies and false teachings and false doctrines because you've walked away and, and, and you're tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Why? Because this is not flowing and churning in your life because you've not planted yourself in, in consistency in the Word of God. When we walk away from all the things spiritual, what happens? Flesh takes over. Flesh steps in. Our words begin. Listen, when, when, when you stop praising Guess what happens with your words and with your mouth? They become filled with flesh. They become with, filled with idle words and idle gossip and backbiting and, and jealousy and, and slander and bitterness. When, when, when our mouth is not cultivating the good things of God, guess what steps in? 
evil things, filthy things, dirty things. We have to understand the importance of being planted. We have to understand the importance of returning. We have to understand the importance of this place of rumination. You see, I don't want to get too gross here or analytical, but this valley fed many, many cattle. And if you know cattle, they chew cud. They chew it, they digest it, they spit it back up. Put it back in their mouth, chew it, chew it, put it back down. It was the constant place of rumination. And God's spiritual parallel is that if we don't put ourselves in this place constantly meditating on the Word of God, constantly chewing and devouring and bringing back up the Word of God when I need it the most to get a little bit more nourishment, to get a little bit more something or a little bit more truth or a little bit more revelation, it does me no good. That's what, that, that's what that valley is all about, and it's where God is calling us. But please understand, it doesn't stop there. You can walk to the valley and stand there all you want. You can walk to the valley and look around and say, Oh, how nice this is, and how beautiful this is, and how good it is to be here in this valley that's lush. But unless you dig your wells, you'll still be dry. And it's exactly what happens to a lot of people when they come into the house of God. I'm teaching you tonight, so I hope you, I hope you appreciate that or I hope you're okay with that. But there's a lot of people that come into the house of God. They come into the valley and they look around and it's so wonderful and the atmosphere is great and the praise is wonderful and the pastor's on fire and everything is great and they can't figure out why they're dry. Can't figure out why they just can't dance. Can't figure out why I oh, just don't got no song, don't got no clap, don't. I know that's not right English. I am educated. But you understand what I'm saying. They come into the valley, but they still find themselves dry. Why? Because they're drinking from the wrong wells or they haven't dug a well at all. In this valley were Abraham's wells. And in this valley were the Philistines' wells. They were both in the same exact place. And you have both wells in your life too, but the question is, which one will you drink from? The question is, which one will you dip into? The question is, which one will you draw from on a regular basis? And listen, if you don't have water every day, you'll die. And dry up. So every day you've got to draw and you are drawing from something spiritually. It's evil, either evil spirit or good spirit. God's spirit or devil's spirit. It's either of the wells of living water or it's of the wells of the filth of flesh. One of those two we will consume every single day. And it will dictate the level of our spirituality. It will dictate the level of our praise and the level of our worship. It will dictate all of those things, church. It's what we need to understand from this passage of Scripture. Please understand, every time you drink from the wells of this world, our spiritual well dries up. Every time you dip into the wells of this world, your spirit suffers. Why, does the, why do you think the Bible says that, that the two are at opposition 
the flesh and the spirit, they battle against one another. The two are always fighting one another. They despise one another and hate one another. And if you walk in the ways of, that's why the Bible says, when you walk by the spirit, you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. But if you ignore the spirit, if you don't plant yourself in the presence of God, if you walk away from all of these godly influences, guess what you're going to feed? You're going to feed your flesh. And somewhere along the way, when this horrible situation comes into your life, where you need the power of heaven to move on your behalf, you need the devil to get out of your way, you need a a Goliath to be slain or or a mountain to move or, or a wall to fall, you find yourself there dry and empty and powerless. Why? It's not God's fault. It's our fault. We've wandered. We've not dug. We've not cultivated. We've not planted ourselves. Listen, I'm not here to condemn anybody. I've been in those same exact places, church. I've been there myself. And every time we are, God, like He is tonight, is saying, I want you to return, and I want you to repent, and I want you to dig. You see, listen, you don't... Please understand me. The only... So many people think that, you know, adultery is what i got to repent over. Uh, I gotta repent. I, I murdered somebody. I, I gotta repent. I, I slept with somebody out of. I gotta repent because repent. You, you and I have to repent for everything that is against God's will. We have to repent for everything God wants us to do and we don't do, or that He doesn't want us to do and we do do. So He wants us to return and He wants us to repent for wandering away, for not making Him a priority, and then He wants us to dig. And it's what we're going to look at as I go. Listen, if there were a theme or a common denominator concerning this message and the last two that I preached, because I kept thinking, okay, God, how many of you know when God speaks, He weaves a, I'll say a web, There is always a thread. There is always a conversation that God is trying to have with every single one of us week after week, month after month. The conversation might be different. It's one of the reasons why I tell everybody, when you hear the Word of God, please record it, write it down, especially the things that are impressed upon your heart. Because two months from now, three months from now, six months from now, you should be able to look back and say, what conversation are you trying to have with me, God? And if you're, if you're studious enough, if you're devoted enough to, to seek and find, you will find what God is is trying to speak to you. But if there were a common denominator, like I would ask God, does this fit where, where I'm going? Is this a standalone? Is this a carryover? What, what is this? And I knew that there was some resemblance because I talked about trouble and I talked about weariness and now I'm talking about dryness. But what, what, what he allowed me to understand in my spirit is that all of the, what all of these have in common are they are the tactics of the devil. They all deal with the schemes of Satan. They all deal with the the tactics that the adversary will use to try to defeat you and destroy you. He'll bring trouble in your life. That's a tactic of Satan. He'll do everything that he can with with woes and, and, and all of those other things to try to get you to grow weary and try to make you weak and try to get you to throw in the towel. And one of the other tactics he will use is right here. He'll try to fill up your wells. 
He'll try to fill up your thought life and your married life. He'll try to fill up your family life. He'll try to fill up your time and he'll try to fill up your calendar. He'll try to fill up your thoughts and he'll try to fill up everything about you with the things of this world instead of with the things of God. They are the tactics of the devil. And listen, if we don't understand them, we'll be defeated by them. If we don't understand them, we'll be overcome by them. If you don't understand that the devil wants to come in and fill up your well, you're not going to guard it. You're not going to watch after it. You're going to walk away from it. And the devil will come in and fill it in. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are all tactics of the devil. And so that leads me to believe that the devil is hard at work among God's people. It leads me to believe that God is trying to speak to his people and saying, Listen, you're acting like you're not prepared. Uh, there's, a, there's an attack coming. There's difficulty. There's something coming your way because you have an adversary that runs about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour and you need to be aware of his tactics i believe that this is why god has given me this word because the devil is hard after every single one of god's people which tells me we're coming even closer to the time of the lord because he'll work overtime he knows his time is running out church and he'll work overtime to dry up every individual that he can to fill up every well of salvation that he can So that more souls than not will be lost and sent into darkness. Remember the Bible says, let not the devil deceive you or outsmart you. It says, be not ignorant of his devices, lest he gain an advantage over you. One of the greatest ways for the devil to defeat us, one of the greatest ways for him to gain advantage over you or over us is by filling up our wells, church. By filling our lives with the dirt of this earth, with the dead things and dry things and carnal things and corrupt things. It's to get us to drink from His wells instead of God's wells. That's His goal every single day. He wants you to walk away from the wells of salvation and drink from the wells of flesh. He wants you to drink from the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. You understand what I'm saying? He wants you to drink from the well of pride. He wants you to drink from the well of lust. He wants you to drink from these wells that do nothing to sustain you but everything to destroy you. And he puts these wells in front of you every single day. Puts them in front of your children. And if they're not aware of his tactics... Guess what? They're going to drink from the wrong well. If you don't have their wells filled up with the Word of God, if you don't have your children's wells filled up with the things of God, guess what the world's going to deposit in there? False doctrine, false theology, false worldview instead of biblical worldview. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we don't fill ourselves up with our our minds, our hearts, our marriages, our family, with the things of God, the devil will fill it with something filthy. And it's our responsibility to make sure that our wells are filled, church, not the Lord's. He is an everlasting fountain. He's a fountain that never runs dry. He never stops flowing. We do. And we have to change that, church. It's one of the greatest tactics that he used. In order to best understand this passage, and again, I don't want to get too theological, but I want to teach you some things. You have to understand that the wells in this chapter represent the philosophies and the the faith and the ideologies and the theologies and the beliefs of, of Isaac's father, Abraham. The wells that he's referring to at a spiritual level represent the spiritual and foundational truths that Abraham built his life on and set his family upon, church. The wells represented the reigning and sustaining force of Abraham and his household of faith. 
And after he died, the Philistines filled him in with the things of flesh. They filled him in with false doctrine. They filled him in with idol worship. They filled them in with self-reliance and self-indulgence. Read it and study it. It's what happened in that land. They didn't need God. They were all-knowing. They didn't need God. They were all-powerful. They didn't need God. They, they, they were wisest than the wise. They relied on their own wisdom. They relied on their own abilities. They relied on their own strength, church. They did not need God. It's what was going on. They filled up those wells with the things of this world. And we sometimes allow the enemy to do the very same thing. The reason, listen, the reason the Philistines filled in this well or filled in these wells is because they didn't want the truths of Abraham flowing in their land anymore. They didn't want his doctrines. They didn't want his theologies. They didn't want his beliefs. They didn't want the God and, and, and the rivers of living water. They didn't want anything about Jehovah God flowing or operating in their land. So they filled them in. See, the well represented everything that Abraham stood for. The wells represented every single thing he believed in. The wells represented everything that he knew gave him sustenance and gave him strength and and gave him a reigning force over the enemy. That's what these wells represented. And listen to me, the Philistines resented them. They resented the wells of Abraham. They resented the wells that flowed more powerfully than their own wells. And they could not wait to fill them in. Couldn't wait to keep them from stop flowing. They didn't want that truth permeating. Listen, why do you think they want the Bible out of schools? Why do you think this world wants the Bible out of the colleges? Why do you think you can't speak the name of Jesus? Why do you think they're taking down Ten Commandments? It's the Philistines that are doing it, church. They want to fill in everything to eliminate that which is true. They don't want truth. They don't want the things of God flowing. They don't want us to to interfere with their filthy ways of living. It's why the Philistines filled it in. I don't want nobody telling me what to do. I don't want nobody telling me how to live. I don't want nobody telling me I can't go get drunk. I don't want anybody telling me I, I can't go have sex out of marriage. I don't want anybody telling me I can't be with the same sex and do this and do that. So they fill in the wells of truth with lies and corruption instead. So please grasp this. You are a well. And if you're not filled with the things of God, understand what I'm saying. If you're not flowing with the things of the Lord, you know exactly what I'm saying, church. They, they buried these wells. Literally, they buried, they filled the will, wells, but to do something. They wanted to bury the waters of Abraham. They wanted to bury them. They wanted to cover them up. They wanted to bury his truth. They wanted to bury his, his statutes. They wanted to bury the very thing that gave him strength, that had the power to influence those in their society. What do you think they did with Jesus? They buried him. They hung him up on a cross and they killed him and they put him in the ground right along with his message because they did not want his message permeating. They didn't want his message touching the world. Why do you think you can't talk about Jesus today? Because society doesn't want Jesus interfering with their wicked lifestyle. 
Because they're drinking from wicked wells, church. Please understand what I'm saying. This is the importance and the power of this word that God is trying to speak to us today. It's exactly what they did with Jesus. Because they didn't want others drinking from the free wells of living water. Didn't want them drinking from the wells of grace and mercy and the the free springs of life. So they buried them spiritually, church. Listen, after Abraham died, the Philistines filled in Abraham's well and dug their own. Please understand this too. When Abraham moved out, they filled in Abraham's wells and dug their own. They weren't going to drink from the truth. They didn't want to drink from the power of God. They didn't want to drink of the things of heaven. So they went and dug their own wells. And they dug them. In those times, listen, if you owned a well, you had a way to wealth. If you owned a well like the Philistines did, when they dug their wells, it meant they had the power that when anyone sojourned through their land and came through their land, they could charge them to drink from their well. They could profit from someone dipping into the well and putting out water. And the truth you need to gain from that is when the devil digs a well in your life, it's going to cost you something to drink from it. It's going to cost you something every time you dip down into the wells of this world. It's going to cost you a price that you're you're not prepared to pay, church. And some of us have understood that. Some of us have had to pay that price when we've dipped down into the wells of the flesh trying to satisfy an eternal soul. It won't happen and it won't work. But there is always a price that has to be paid when you dip into the wells of this world. But understand the difference, the awesome difference between the wells of the Philistines and the wells of Jesus. Jesus said, come and drink. He said, come, drink freely. He said, come by and drink without cost. You see, Jesus doesn't charge us to drink from the blood of Jesus Christ. He doesn't charge us to drink from the wells of mercy and grace. He doesn't make us work our way into His graces and work our way into His presence. He simply wants us to believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. He wants us to bathe ourselves in the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we do, we can drink freely from the wells of Jesus. You see, listen, that's the difference The difference was from the the wells of Abraham. Sojourners got to drink freely. They would come by and he would understand their need and their thirst. And in a demonstration of the power of their God and the goodness of their God, he let them drink freely. And this is what God still does today. He, he, He wants anyone that comes by to drink and drink free. But please listen to me. If we are not providing this world with the waters of heaven, they don't have any other place to go except to the wells of the wicked to try to find... Ah, I hope you all are understanding this. When you've got someone that's hurting in need and they need to drink of of a well of compassion, if they can't find it in the house of God, if they can't find it among the people of God, where do you think they're going to go drink? You, they're going to go drink out in the world. They're going to go drink with, the, with whoever it is they can. You understand what I'm saying, church? It's why it behooves us to make sure that we are rivers of living water that are flowing with the power of heaven in our lives. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to us. 
I'm only on page two. So this is this is this is absolutely going to be another parter. But listen, the reality is, what we have to understand is that there is always a price to be paid when we drink from the wells of this world. But God invites us to come and drink freely and without cost. What we have to understand as I begin to wind this down is that the last thing the devil wants you to drink from is the spiritual wells of our spiritual fathers. The last thing the devil wants you to drink from are the tried and true and tested wells of yesterday. Wells that our spiritual forefathers dug. Wells that our spiritual forefathers labored over and prayed over. Wells that they got on their knees over and fasted over. They dug wells so that you and I could enjoy the rivers of living water today. And those are the wells that we need to redig. Those are the places we need to go back to, church. But that's the last place the devil wants you to drink. The last place he wants you to drink from are the wells of prayer. And the wells of the Word of God. And the wells of worship and praise. Because when you do... He knows that you will find refreshing for your soul. He knows you're dry. He knows you're thirsty. He knows you're troubled. He knows you're weary. He knows exactly what you need. And he will do everything he can to keep you from getting there. He'll do everything that he can to keep you from getting to the wells of living water. Because when, he de- when you do, he knows he's lost you. When you do, he knows that you will be refreshed. When you do, he knows, well, I lost them today. When you drink from those, he knows he's going to have to try again another time. He knows that maybe you've got enough to last the day. Maybe you've got enough to last a week. Maybe you've got enough to last you a month. But you've got something, and he can't affect you right now. Because you've made your way. That's why he will put every obstacle he can in your way to keep you from getting to those wells of living water. Please understand, like I said in this passage, water represents life and the power of the Spirit. It represents life and the power to prosper and produce. And wherever there is no water, there is no life. Wherever there is no water, there is no prospering. And the best way for the Philistines to prevent the flow of Abraham's philosophy and the flow of Abraham's faith and the flow of Abraham's belief was simply to fill up their wells with the dirt of the earth. Think about it. How do you think the devil operates today? How do you think he keeps us from flowing? How do you think he keeps us from operating in the power of the Holy Spirit? How do you think he keeps us from being a source of good in a no-good world like we've talked about? How do you think he keeps us from prospering or producing, or filling the earth with good things. He simply fills our wells with the dirt of the earth. And when he does, we become dry. Fills them with dead things and secular things and carnal things. He buries the way, the truth, and the life with the corrupt things of this world and, and with every unclean thing that he can. He buries us, church, under the weight of this world. So that we cannot operate. And when we find ourselves there, the last thing we can do, like I even shared last week, is give up and give in. Those are the moments where we have to make our way back to the valley of Gerar. We need to make our way back to that that place of constant meditation, constant devotion, constant stirring, constantly being in the presence of the Lord, church, so that we can find rest. 